Are you tired of watching your beloved characters being tortured by careless authors? Are you sick of feeling like they could have swapped out all of the painful action and the plot would remain untouched? Subscribe to Books That Burn, the fortnightly book review podcast focusing on fictional depictions of trauma. We assume that the characters' reactions are reasonable and focus on how badly or well they were served by their authors. Join us for our minor character spotlights, main character discussions, and favorite non-traumatic things in the dark books we love. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Siri Killers, for our super horny part two of the super horny vampire franchise. Blurred. Ba -ba -ba -ba. I have Pod Bay of Pod Bay, JD Martin here with me. Hello, JD. Hello, I'm back. Uh, we have a co-host with us today. That is my. my but I hear little. I hear little kitty mewing. I hear little kitty mews. Uh, so we were discussing Blade Two mm -hmm. of the Blade franchise. If yes. you for some reason didn't listen to the first part, what the fuck is wrong with you? Stop right here. Go listen to part one, and then you can fucking come back. You degenerate. Uh, so yeah. Um, we just hey, said hey, hey. You no, loved no, kind of... no disrespect to degenerates around here, okay? No, I mean, I love being a degenerate. I love degenerates. I wouldn't have friends if it wasn't for degenerates. Um, but yeah, so this movie is doing a really good job of kind of broadening the strokes, kind of strokes and spectrum of what it is to be a vampire. Now, this is another one where I think that the there are a couple twists in here, and the first, and they all come kind of right in a row. The first one is that uh, Scuds, Spuds, Norman Reedus' character. Scud. Scud. Scud is a vampire familiar and has been setting Blade up the whole time. Uh, and then we find out that um, that Damaskinos uh, has been genetically engineering vampires to get rid of their imperfections. Um, mm. A whole vampire eugenics movement fucking crazy bullshit um and that we find out that he created um um, um i keep going for it where is it uh, nomak 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 is his son and they do a really nice job with nisa and who is uh demoskino's daughter and that uh he is her brother and all these things. And they do a really nice job of her, like hitting those beats of like seeing the family betrayal, accepting it, deciding to betray her own family. But that also that like, she recognizes that because she's part of the systemic issue that she has to pay the cost of it and has to die with her other family members. But she also can't let her brother kind of exist. Um, and it's kind of crazy. It's insane. But I think it's one of the only ways that you could kind of tie up this story with the only loose end being that blade exists kind of at the end of it. And is still in love with Nisa, even though they don't say shit, but you know, but it. I kind of they, they, like that, oh, that those clearly. longing looks into each other's eyes. They love each other. But I, I actually really liked that, that he emotionally, and it's hard because Karen was his equal and his better in many ways in Blade One. Nisa is his physical and intellectual better, um, but they really help each other both. And they do a really nice job of making Nomak his own MacGuffin, that it's the idea if you kill the surrogate, you kill them all, which is a really interesting thought because it's like, well, because I'm sorry, the, that sewer scene is fucking terrifying yes we have we, we we gotta talk about the sewer scene oh all of it that whole, it's that whole sequence and i love the lead so like the lead up to that is that now that like they've gotten out of the house of pain they lost priest which they like the way they lost priest is like so fucked up they they captured mm -hmm. one and then they we get into the dissection scene and it's like you know that the oh, that the good old Guillermo was like whenever he got to see the set of like like that on the set with the whole like operating table he was just so filled with maniacal glee just yeah. like this is my everything right here and like Nisa just like open the mouth and Scud's like do I have to <laughs> Blade just, yeah sissy 
I love the practical effects and it's, it's a Del Toro thing too. He tries to do as much practically as he can, mm -hmm. which really makes a huge fucking difference. But I loved when they just showed like how, how the virus, that virus, when it turns you, it happens so quickly and what it does to your body, it really set the stakes in a killer way. And the fact that like the body can be dead, but the way that the body is mutated, it's still trying to feed even beyond death. So as long as you can keep the electrical impulses in the brain going, that body will never stop trying to feed, which is incredible and terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's um, like, it's so, uh, probably the best monster design since the Xenomorph, just, just as far yeah. as this thing is a killing machine and will never fucking stop until you uh, like, like you, like you can't escape it. And I love the like design of like the jaw has to be able to split open in order for like the suction the the feeding yeah and has the two and has the tooth that like like paralyzes that paralyzes people has like the 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 the, the juice that comes out that paralyzes the victim wh whenever they're feeding like del toro is like the every little detail he's like and i'm gonna add this and this is the coolest shit i've ever written and i'm gonna add this and this is the coolest shit i've ever written just every little detail just mm, i i eat this shit up and then blade's like all right we gotta go and date we gotta go in the sewers but we gotta go during daylight because that's the only thing that's gonna kill these fuckers and they're like mm -hmm. yeah but it kills us too and he's like not my fucking problem yep yeah and then i love that moment when ron perlman's like Oh, did I forget to tell you the handle stuck? Yes. <laughs> they... Fucker. Which then like 20 minutes later when he was like, there was never any detonators to begin with. And it was like, oh, dun, dun, dun. Got Such just, a good the, goddamn twist. The splitting up of the team. Like they're okay. There's like so many little, little moments peppered throughout the sequence that I love. I'm going to highlight here really quick. Uh, number one, yeah, the splitting up the, the teams is fantastic. Uh, with Whistler going with the two dudes who who like fucking hate Blade and fucking hate him, but Blade's yep. like, I gotta let you go with them because you're the one who's gonna keep them in line, and I trust you. Uh, mm -hmm. And then him going with Nisa and and um, oh, I always forget his name. Uh, I'm and I'm trying to think of it right now. Like the way like. Uh, Assad. Reinhardt? No, Assad. Oh, Assad. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, oh, I, was, I, was, I was, I was, I was digging through my lexicon of the movie of like, okay, go back to the scene where they're introduced. What does, what does he say his name is? Assad. Uh, but I, uh, and then later, uh, Whistler is like using the, 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 the light from the gun that they have because they have UV lights on their guns, mm -hmm. but then have the filter on it to cut the filter out the UV so that it doesn't burn the burn the blood pack, and they're like. And and Chupa's like, dude, seriously, you're like, we want to like attract them, not scare them. <laughs> His line, well, some of us can't see in the dark, you fucking nipple head. What am I supposed to do? Just the the it's insult. So we'll get to one in particular in Blade Trinity, but David Goyer's really good at writing weird insults. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and and we get that, and then we get like. We get like this, like the like the like the mountain of skulls, and we have the insane mm -hmm. deaths of Snowman and Lighthammer and Verlaine, like that whole that like that tiny little mm -hmm. horror sequence scene right there that happens where they all get murdered within the within a matter of seconds, uh, and then later my favorite moment and like my straight up favorite moment in this movie is Blade has sent. Uh, like has sent everyone away and he's and like he takes the pheromones that they've extracted from the reaper and he like shatters them all over him so then they'll all attract to him it brings up brings out one bomb and he goes oh, you obviously do not know who you are fucking with and then lights a bomb he comes up with a sword and he fucking murders like 10 of them at once just this is the epitome of cool this is oh, what yeah. this movie is. We like they all know like we want Wesley Snipes to fuck shit up. Cool. We're gonna make sure Wesley Snipes fuck shit up, but also it's gonna be terrifying as fuck. But it's gonna be awesome to watch. 
I also love the evolution of being able to say fuck in these movies. Yes. Because they were like, we know it's going to be a rated R movie anyway, so you can say fuck like 12 times before you get an NC-17 rating. So the first movie, I think, like, it, there's the moment with... um. Uh, Frost where Blade goes through and then he's being pulled back together and Blade just mouths what the fuck mm -hmm. but in this movie they it's it's really quite well used and then Ryan Reynolds uses it about 25 times in in Blade Trinity mm -hmm. um but no, I think it's it's one of those things where it's like you could misuse the word fuck so much, but I think it's use it really interesting times in this movie mm -hmm. and actually I think really fun poignant times. Um but yeah, they do a really good job of like really it's it's a it's those moments of you really like the blood pack they you've actually they've done a really good job in a short time of making you like them because mm -hmm. also the moment you get a group you start looking for who you are out of that group or like who who's like your friends whatever and you know it's it's just those moments of of um you're you're looking for those moments of how to connect with these characters which is just so good um, and so when we're losing so many of them within 25 minutes into meeting them, even though feasibly we have to understand that in the Expendables movies, it's called Expendables for a reason, uh, you know, so this, this pack, they're, they're not all going to make it back in one piece. Mm -hmm. Also, because we've established that vampires, though immortal, rather fragile, quite easy to kill. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's another just great, wonderful thing that that del toro and and the writers are able to do with this movie which is just again top fucking notch mm -hmm. um goyer goyer really is a great writer and i think it really helped that he wrote the first two wait did he write the third one? he did write the third he wrote he wrote and directed the third Oh well, and, and, yeah, and, and we'll, we'll yeah and then we'll get into the problems that 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 that, 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 made, yeah. that, that gave us yeah yeah. I that's my that's my thing and this happens in theater often too. It's not really good to write and direct your pieces because there's nobody there that's willing to be like baby you can't do that. Maybe mm -hmm. you can't do that. Come on baby yeah. you can't do it that. So it, it it depends on the writer. There are mm -hmm. some there are some writers who can direct their own material and do it well. Because yeah. well, because they also listen to their other collaborators, and that's I think that's they a have big... a team of people that they can listen to. Absolutely, yeah. I'm looking Absolutely. at you, Ryan Johnson, you magnificent human, you. Oh yes. Oh, I'm so ready for Glass Onion. I oh, know. I'm hearing God. nothing but good things about that movie out of, out of TIFF, oh, and I'm just. Course. I'm really fucking shocked that it's not getting a cinema release. That it's just going Netflix. It's it's I'm it's really maddening. Surprised. It's maddening. I'm sure they got a good fucking deal out of it too. Apparently they got paid more than the cast did in the first movie for the second one. I'm just excited for that cast and my queen of Queens, Catherine Hahn. I was going to say Catherine Hahn just. Oh, and Janelle Monet also, but also yes. this is not, this is, I mean, this is always a Catherine Hahn stand cast, but. Um, I, I am a walking Ryan Johnson stand cast. So is there any, anything kind of looking at this i feel like i know what your answer is because i know what my answer is is there anything else that you would have wanted to change about this or you think didn't work storytelling wise or visual wise of something that they did in the movie honestly more nisa mm, more nisa absolutely. I, I, th I i honestly just i like we i think we did get like the right amount uh but mm -hmm. I, I i i wanted more though I, I was I, need more. I understand why she died I get it I wish there was a way to have saved her and she survive because I think having her as a partner would have been really cool even outside the romantic stuff having but you know again they didn't know Blade Trinity was happening or I don't really know it, that I couldn't actually find anywhere if they knew, because there's only two years between this and blade Trinity. So they had to have known. Yeah. Um, they were getting the third, but you know, different, different director, even though it is the same writer, but I, you know, I think that wouldn't have worked with that story. Having a vampire in their side would not have helped in that story. Yeah. Um, Honestly though, I think it's, I think it'd be more interesting as like a, um, a more like, thinking of like Batman and Talia 
but but they are aligned in their goals instead unlike yeah. batman unlike batman italians like it's like no we're actually going about it um going about our our similar goals in the same method but we just recognize that we cannot be together and we can't work together so they just go their separate ways but like with love and respect yeah like that yeah. could have worked um but but the de but also it's one of the most beautiful death scenes ever because it oh, she's like yeah. she's like i'm just like if i'm gonna die i'm gonna die on my terms mm -hmm. and it is really she had the ultimate hero's death and you know it is one of those things when a character realizes that they've been such part of a systemic issue uh that they have to do something extreme to fix it because the system has been extreme so and it really does set up like this idea of like vampire superiority and it's like well great once you have these perfect vampires what's going to happen to the vampires you consider not perfect like you know it's just, it's this it's another eugenic system kind of situation at that point which you know they did touch on which is very bold for 2002 <laughs> i think yeah um is there anything else as we move forward that you think just really is exemplary uh out of this film that we haven't talked about yet Honestly, I think uh, doing Suicide Squad before Suicide Squad, in all honesty, it's yes. like that, like, like, oh, yeah, because I feel like James Gunn definitely watched Blade 2 and was like, he's like, I'm going to learn everything I fucking can out of this movie to figure out mm -hmm. what, how the hell Goyer and Del Toro achieved what they did in this movie. And I'm going to do it for the Suicide Squad. There's no way he didn't do that. I well, he's a comic fan first and foremost. Absolutely. And so you definitely can see his influence, which is very important. I think it's very smart. So you know, I I agree with you. I think this again set a heavy tone for a lot of movies that would come after it. The humor that they kind of started setting up in this film, that they deliver in the next film, is pure Iron Man. It's pure a lot of the quippiness that we see the MCU mm -hmm. built around even a lot of like what worked for Hugh Jackman's Wolverine for a lot of it. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we did see. So it's, it's, this movie is really the framework for a lot of things we would get. And I hope we see a lot of what worked in this kind of shown again in, um, uh, the Blade movie that we're going to have come out of the MCU and we see him show up with, you know, Black, uh, Black Knight and all these things. Um, though, it would not surprise me if he shows up in Werewolf by Night in October. It would not surprise me at all. I'm so, ex I'm so excited for Werewolf by Night. I am too. So I am. Yeah. If, if, if you didn't have me at like B horror before and then you offer me man thing, Oh baby, I'm there for Man Thing. It's like when you give me Swamp Thing in in uh, DC, and you give me Man Thing in 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 Marvel. Oh, I will die for those Plant Boys. Also, I love them so much. Also, you give me so you give me like old world black and white Gail Garcia Bernal. Mm, oh, just daddy, absolutely. Mm. Oh, I'm oh oh. Okay, I need to talk about this for a second because we've got the. We've got the Pedro Pascal saying, it's all right. I'll be your daddy now. And, you know, you've got these men who understand and you've got Oscar Isaacs who calls himself a daddy. Andrew Garfield on the red carpet of the Emmys says he's a daddy. Who the fuck does Andrew Garfield think he is? Baby, just because you got some crow's feet and you're a tired Peter Parker does not a daddy make. My friend. Just because you show up in a sexy white suit to the Emmys does not make you a daddy, sir. When you're on the same red carpet as Oscar Isaac's Pedro Pascal. Um, oh, God, what's his name that plays Cassian? Diego uh, Luna. Diego Luna. Oh, Which Oliver. I just found out this week. Apparently, uh, Bernal and Luna have a uh, film studio, have like a film company together. They do. They're best boys. They're best boyfriends. They yes. are boyfriends who are boyfriends, but not the kind of boyfriends I want them to be. Um, I want two uh, boyfriends, and I want the boyfriends to be boyfriends, and they take take me on little boyfriend dates, and we get to, and we all get to oh, be boyfriends and girlfriends together. Every time, every time I hear about that, I just go through the slideshow of adorable pictures of Pedro Pascal hugging Oscar Isaacs. Yes. Like honestly, yeah. what I will say is, I I, I also I don't want to I don't want to be this person, but I do want to correct the 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 Pedro Pascal line that you said because the line is actually oh, yes, the, the line is actually just like but like daddy he daddy says now. daddy he says daddy is a state of mind. mind. I'll be your daddy. 
just and I was like, you do not I'm like like either you don't understand the fire you have lit in a thousand people's hearts, or you do, and you're devious. And he I does. love it. He fucking gets it. You you know he and Oscar Isaacs were joking about it later, and are totally getting off on it. Yes, like someone wrote fan fiction about whatever devious deed happened between the two of them after that was shared we all know uh well it's like on drag race down under the other day they had uh murray bartlett doing a video message and he just says i'll be a daddy and winks at the girls and i went (laughs) i was like when he won the Emmy the other night, I was like, we all know what scene he won that Emmy for, and I'm not mad at it. If you all have seen The White Lotus, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to have my podcast censored by Apple because I say that Murray, Murray Bartlett ate ass on White Lotus, and that's why he won the uh, Emmy. He is also an incredible actor. But there's nothing to do with this episode, Kurt. Look, hey, you know what? More ass-eating. More ass eating in television. Honestly, honestly, it's been on like three shows recently. The staircase did it. Uh, I'm I'm mad that I'm I'm mad that the staircase Um, did it. Colin Firth um, and Tony Collette, where are your awards? The fuck. Listen, okay, okay. If there's something this podcast is, it is the it is a Tony Collette stand cast. I will die for that woman. Uh. For years before Hereditary, all the way back to Muriel's wedding, I will die. Oh, Muriel's wedding is so icon. good. Uh, also, Connie and Carla, so good. She is a comic genius. I love her. And also, Colin Firth, I will die for you. Uh, he also is except he's a gay man who isn't gay, but I accept him as gay, much like Stanley Tucci. He um, he's played a gay man multiple times too. Oh yes, he has. Uh, uh, also, I love that his character is the center of the plot for Mamma Mia 3. It's his wedding huh? in Mamma Mia 3 to the, to the cute young boy. And I am so here for it. Um, but back, back, back to Blake. Uh, <laughs> like I, to I mean, other gay shit. Biggest, I mean, truly the biggest derail I've ever had because we ended up talking about eating ass on the pod. But it was bound to come. I mean, this podcast has literally been going on for three years now. This is bound to have happened at some point. Um, Absolutely. But I've talked about very little gay shit on here that's not like that's like actual gay shit. Uh, Murray Bartlett, I would love to see in the MCU. I also would love to see Pedro Pascal play a villain in Blade. I think he'd be an amazing vampire, old vampire. I think he'd be incredible. Um, but yeah, so is there anything else that you just think we haven't touched upon that you think is just exemplary? Before you know, we move on going, to going through my lexic, I'm, I'm, I'm go- I think also with Del Toro, you always get uh, his his roaming band of, of actors that he likes to utilize mm-hmm. so much. So we've touched on Ron Perlman a lot here, uh, but I do mm-hmm. want to give a shout out in particular to there are three other actors in this movie that he's... Uh, worked with more well i don't know if it's all three well the actor plays uh demoskinos is thomas kretschman um who at that mm-hmm. point was most well known for playing uh the nazi uh in in the pianist uh who who yes. who saves adrian brody's care who saves the the, the the main character uh so he's most well known for that by that point and he's still kind of pretty well known but the other two actors are um carl roden who plays the lawyer uh who I, I believe his name is also carl and he later would he he would right after this go on to play rasputin in hellboy and oh yeah yeah which is like such a different look from this movie because like he's he's like very much early aughts like slimy lawyer and then becomes ripped rasputin later mm-hmm. uh and then also i got a I gotta love my I gotta love my makeup boy Luke Goss here for as Jared Nomac mm-hmm. who goes on to play uh uh the prince in Hellboy Two I can't remember his name uh my, my beautiful boy Nuada I, I was like I, I like I know I'm gonna get the name right is Prince Nuada uh that was real time everyone <laughs> uh yeah I, I I love I love his roaming band of actors that he just continues to continues to work with and it just because. It's the, something something uh, that I the thing I've taken a lot from one of my favorite directors is David Cronenberg and something he talks about is how 
the uh how the the art of acting or, or i'm sorry the art of acting the art of casting is a black art there's a mystery to him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. A, a thing about it is there is uh like you don't really know if the actor is right for the role until they're they're doing it and Absolutely. and you also don't know if an f two actors are going to work well together until you watch them do it, especially if they have, mm-hmm. especially if they haven't already been in in something together already. So it's it, it is a black art that is just like 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 it is a mystery. And mm-hmm. Del Toro understands that, but he's also like, but I have actors that I love that I that I love to work with, and I want to put them in the movie, so I will configure a way to get them in the movie and like have roles there that will fit them just right. So, and, 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 and he doesn't do that all the time. Of course, like there was like, he, uh, you know, after making Pacific Rim, he didn't work, he didn't have Ron Perlman in a movie of his until nightmare alley from last year. He'd made two, he mm-hmm. made two more movies without him because he just couldn't find that right part for him. And he realized mm-hmm. that he's like, I want to work with Ron but I don't have a role for him. So I just got to take the L on this. It's got to be the right role too. Yeah. It's now, can I, and I just want to caveat with this before we move on to super sexy fun time. That is blade Trinity. (laughs) I think it's a shame that we're never going to get the Guillermo del Toro haunted mansion movie that Disney has just been too cowardly to make Mm -hmm. as del Toro is the largest haunted mansion fan in the world to the point where his man cave, well, what his study in his man cave, which is a house down the block from his actual house has a hidden haunted mansion library that he writes in. And he has a missing audio animatronic of the Hatbox ghost from Disneyland. Like he owns actual parts of that ride. Cause he's the biggest fucking fan and Disney's a bunch of goddamn cowards. So what a fucking nerd. And I love him for yeah. it. I love yeah, him for oh, it. I love him. Um, so I think it's time we move on to Blade Trinity, which is the, I will say cleanest, but there's the most action I think killing of any of the movies. Cause we have more humans in that movie than any, than we have before. Oh yeah. Um, also they just dust vampires left and right, but we have the incomparable, the incredible Parker fucking posy. Yes. Oh God. And triple H it's triple H, right? It is triple H. <laughs> it's so funny he's so bad but like i'm not mad at it um yeah so blade trinity happens two years after blade two uh again we start with like these super scientific vampires and we're coming back fully to the you know integrated u.s like new york area yeah um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this group of vampire scientists has found drake who is the the actual dracula he is the one that all of the all of the lore is about and something right from the start is they give him a creature form. They give him a human form and even his human form is so different than what we look at vampires. They did an incredible job of thinking about his design as this like satanic chaotic being of hell um, and his ability to like shape shift, which is so fucking cool. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Now, no, I believe the actor's last name is Purcell, right? Dominic Purcell. Dominic Purcell. Uh, Dominic Purcell, who I love as as oh god, what's his fucking name from um Legends of Tomorrow? Oh, Heatwave, Mick Rory. Uh, but he also played Kronos, which is strange. Um, I have, I have, of all the CW shows, I have literally watched almost all of season one of Arrow, and that is it. Oh, you have, oh my God. Uh, knowing you and your sensibility. I am making it a point at this point. I'm just like, I'm not watching anything. Well, and now that it's done, um, I mean, cause also he's opposite Wentworth Miller from prison break as captain cold. And I just love the camp pure faggotry that is captain cold. And because Wentworth Miller had come out as gay at that point, they had his captain cold be super gay um which i fucking love um you and uh, alex yeah, lavelle it, are gonna are gonna get me to watch legends of, of tomorrow and i'm really mad at both of you 
John Constantine's in it, and it's just fucking queer. It's, I mean, Sarah Lance is in it, and she gets to be gay in history. It's so good. Like, she gets so much, she gets so much Lady Poon through all of fucking history. It's so good. I mean, Matt Ryan as Constantine is in 63 of the episodes. They only had, like, 110. He's in 63 of them. So, if for no other reason than the chaos that is fucking... I mean, Vic, Victor Victor Garber will get me to watch a lot of things, so I do. Victor love Garber Victor isn't Garber. in a ton of it, but he's in the first couple seasons, and it's so good. There's a whole George Lucas episode, which is great. Young George Lucas, uh, they they make sure Star Wars gets written, because um, that's what's great about those early seasons of that show is it's literally bonkers. They're just making sure stupid points of history happen, but also Brendan Routh. Get Brandon Ralph gets an incredible run as Ray Palmer. Yes, Adam. He is a big. He's a big dumb himbo of a scientist who is so good, and that man has taken the blow of being the arguably most unsuccessful actor to play Superman, but has taken it in such a wonderful fucking way. Um, I do also like that he got to play Superman one more time mm-hmm. in the Infinite Crisis. I I didn't see Infinite Crisis. Like I haven't seen. I've watched. I, I have watched clips of him. There, there are two clips of, of of him that I've watched as uh, as uh, Kingdom Come Superman in Infinite uh, in mm-hmm. the in the uh, uh, Crisis on, on Infinite, Crisis, Infinite Earths. Yeah. Um, and the two clips were when he's asked why. Uh, why the black is uh, in his uh, shield and it's no longer mm-hmm. red and gold. And then later, I think it's before that when uh, his Clark Kent and the, uh, and Tyler Hecklin's Clark Kent meet. Yep. And then right between them is Bessie Tulek's Lois Lane. And she's just standing there hot for both of them. And it's like, Look, here's the thing. Lois Lane is going to Lois Lane and just be hot for Clark Kent in every universe. Can't help it. Can't help it. Because, listen, I might not like Superman, but I am always hot for Clark Kent. Every man that has ever played Clark Kent, even, and it pains me now that Dean Cain is a big homophobic Trumpy piece of shit. Um, yeah, I, I loved Lois and Clark. But, yeah, no, I mean, there's no world that Brendan Routh isn't a fucking smoke show. Um, although, I will argue... His bleach blonde perfection of veganism that is Scott Pilgrim. You had to bring it up, man. I always have to. I'm also sorry. Uh, you in that movie, you either wanted to fuck Envy Adams or you wanted to be Envy Adams. And let me tell you, I'm both. I will not. <laughs> I will not die until I've done a full drag routine in a full Envy Adams like white leather coat corseted with a with an absurdly large comic built like blonde ponytail wig like i just why the fuck did you take my halloween costume away from me god damn it listen we can all be envy adams i think (laughs) oh my god honestly whenever certain pov con ever happens we need to do like um a masquerade ball that's night of a night of a thousand envy adams or um, <laughs> just call it the escape from demon head and it's whatever you want to make it you want to make it um but only if everybody comes as madison with two n's and one y but it's not where you think because she's mephisto i'm calling it now like the rest of the internet okay we've got to get back to blade trinity at this point we have veered so far off course because we have something equally sexy to talk about and that is Ryan fucking Reynolds being a mouthy little cunt in this fucking movie. Speaking of that yeah. word, I want to bring up the ultimate insult. Like, oh, here's the thing: David Goyer. Do. David Goyer has a history of writing weird insults into his movies, and like he even brought it whenever he wrote Man of Steel. Uh, and I forget. I, I don't remember what 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 insult it, I, I, it was like. Like like it wasn't dick lips it was it was something having to do with <laughs> with the word dick uh that pete, that a young pete ross said to a young clark kent and I, on a bus and i can't remember what it was but we get like the the level of insults increase from blade to blade two and then we can get to blade trinity and like oh, yeah. throughout the movie it's like excuse me like we have like a, a, a fairly like normal level of insults especially from especially from Ryan Reynolds, who is like a comedic genius in this movie. 
And then finally, after mm-hmm. he's been captured, and right before shit is about to hit the fan for the vampires, he calls Parker Posey, and I quote, a cock-juggling thunder cunt. Oh, I mean, which also part of me wants to think that Parker Posey also helped come up with because that woman is a comedic genius. Yes. Who has never gotten her due. Because this movie is right after she did um one of the chris guest movies well she's been in all the chris guest movies but right after she also did the iconic iconic josie and the pussycats Mm -hmm. iconic Mm -hmm. which is spoiler it's our first episode of next season i hope everyone is very excited um because du jour means friendship du jour means tune in for season four it took six whole hours and five long days Sorry, I, I every time Justin the Buscast gets brought up, I have to start singing that song. I Dijor means crash positions. Dijor means friendship. Um, but just Parker Posey is incredible. And oddly, an odd casting for this kind of film. Mm-hmm. But I love they really she and Catherine O'Hara are a similar kind of actress. Yeah. Oh, they can kind of chameleon into anything because she also has the most ridiculous hairstyles in this. The too pale of skin that almost sparkles. She almost looks like a Twilight vampire. And then the like two light contacts. But she's so fucking good. And somehow has this sexual prowess and energy. And she's so domineering. And I love this idea. Ryan Reynolds jokes that her fangs are in her vagina. But I was like... Actually, I think that is canon for her fucking character. Like, I really, the way she sits in front of him and the way she sits in front of Blade at one point, I was like, that's just canon to me. Like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, but she does an amazing job also of not being a physical actress who, like, still manages to do great in physical scenes. She and Jessica Beale fight, which is really great. Um, like, it's just, she really and it it really makes the like humor that ryan reynolds has as well because they get to spar off of each other a lot Mm -hmm. and she is his ultimate comedic better and it works really interesting though i do think it is interesting that like he's a cured vampire yeah i think is really interesting i it's Um, it's them bringing back the idea of whistler being cured from like the like the like the edge of vampirism because he's like he's not full vampire but he's like on the edge of it and and he was brought back and here it's like no we have a fully cured vampire here with us well and we didn't talk about it chris christopherson's whistler dies at the beginning of this film boom boom goes bang is dead um yeah and we get his illegitimate daughter in jessica beals which she's the one character that i think lands like a wet cold wet rag in this movie to me mm-hmm. i agree um I, she's, I, she's it makes me so given, sad to agree with this because i love jessica beale me too she just isn't given she was not given the script mm-hmm. or the ability to discover this character this is also the point where Wesley Snipes was becoming so difficult to work with. Um, I know everyone involved that had to work with him had the worst time possible. This was just, and I think you can really see that because the only people who truly soar in this movie, one is that little girl, um, which when you introduce a kid in a, in a fucking vampire movie, how dare you to, Oh, how dare you kill Natasha Leone, who is my other just light of life. And also is her um, mom. Is her mom. And she's the she's IT blind. person. She's like, oh, she's, like she's the blind, fucking coolest. Yeah. And she's, it's, um, she, re- and she reads Wizard of Oz books to her daughter. Oh, it's so cute. Ah, it's. You know what I love is that in superhero and science fiction in like horror movies, Wizard of Oz is prevalent in all of them mm-hmm. because honestly, the Oz books are so horrific um, themselves. There's so much in them. Um, but yeah, it's there's a reason why Return tell- to Oz, like being so faithful. Uh, holy shit is one of the most terrifying things. I've- I only recently watched Return to Oz last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. 
Fruska Baltz in that movie is so fucking so good, and good. it's a shame that she doesn't work more now. I'm sure it's probably of her own volition, but like, she's so good. I w- I want to see her make a really triumphant return now that she's like in her fifties to like do really great fucking shit. Like, it's honestly kind of surprising. Like maybe. at the level she was at, uh, with because of the craft and Water Boy, like mm-hmm. like she like she was already like a successful child actor and then she made that mm-hmm. jump in the late teens and early 20s of her life it's kind mm-hmm. of surprising she wasn't in like a major like a major post scream slasher yeah i do think that now that we're getting a more maniacal side of the mcu i think there's a great place for her there are so many magical women um and devious women no, I would love to not have her have to play that role, but she just does it so well. Why not have her do it? Yeah. It's like seeing Lizzie Kaplan do so well in her career as well. Post, you know, post the craft post empire records. Um, she's so good. Um, but just Ryan Reynolds and Parker Posey are the only ones who are like really flourishing in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great because of the humor. Everyone's really sexy. Um, honestly, I like to think there's a lot of inspiration of Matt Fraction's run of um, Hawkeye in Kate Bishop out of Jessica Biel's character in this movie of Kid Whistler. Like seeing Kate Bishop is reminding me what Whistler's character could have been that they just didn't deliver on at that point. Like it's just, and it's a fucking shame. Um, and you can just tell that Wesley was really feeling himself. He was doing a lot of the rewrites himself and Dom Purcell. He's not a bad actor. He's, he's not, he's a really good actor. actor. Like, but it's just, he was so miscast here. Like rewatching yeah. it. I like, I rewatched it for the first time in many, many years last year and watching it that time around. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, Oh, uh, I'm sorry, but no, you are not Dracula. You are not good here. Yeah. And it sucks um, because he he's, I like been... him a lot he should have been triple H's role. Yeah. Cause he's a chupa. Like he is that, like he's a dumb meathead and he, like he's very much a Vin. He's the exact same of actor that Vin Diesel is. Um, they um do those kinds of roles. I'm well. sorry, but Vin Diesel's like, actually like a genuinely incredible actor. How dare you? Uh, find me guilty is incredible. Boiler room is incredible. I haven't seen any of this. A Man Apart is great. I just, um, the Vin Diesel is a very sad story of when you want to make it in Hollywood so bad that you're willing to let the studios dictate you living a lie and a secret because it's going to make you more sellable. Um, and it's a real shame. I'm not going to go any more into that because I do not want to, proponent rumors about people uh with even as small as this podcast is it's just if anyone knows you know um and it's just really sad yeah and i'm hoping because he's still young young as far as hollywood goes he's incredibly handsome he's very fun i love him when he did like the pacifier yeah and when he did tooth fairy no was tooth fairy the rock that was the rock (laughs) Um, so the pacifier is the one where he goes and he's like the bodyguard. Yeah. The secret agent yeah. for the secret agent who goes yeah. and like protects kids. So good. Lauren Graham's in that movie too. Yeah. So yes. good. Oh, so, yeah. so good. Oh yes. Um, but yeah, it's Don Purcell was just really out. You honestly needed a character. This needed to be a situation where, and again, it was 2004. So they were going with this idea of like meaty being sexy, like an opened white shirt with ethnic beads and things as sexy. And like Dom Purcell is a very sexy dude in like a big bulky muscle way. But honestly, for that role, you needed someone. Javier Bardem. You need, well, Javier Bardem, you needed also, or someone, um, um, you needed one of the beautiful beautiful men from the mummy to play that role um, oh my god i'm, I'm now imagining brendan fraser and i and i like i don't want that but i kind of want oh no not brendan fraser i'm i'm meaning no. like an arnold Vosloo oh yeah arnold Vosloo was, or... was, would be perfect oh, here. D- oh 
or come on, Oded Fair <gasps> as fucking Dracula. Like, oh my god, like I'm getting my ovaries exploded. I know. My non-existent like, ovaries there's... have exploded. They came into like, existence just... and then <laughs> Yeah. It's 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 one of those things. They're running the complete opposite way of like Bram Stoker's Dracula with the weird, creepy Gary Oldman in those fabulous old costumes. Because like you don't want to play, you don't want to do like Buffy the Vampire Slayer Liberace vampire from the movie, but you also like I don't need someone that hip and handsome. I want someone dangerous. Like even think about like Antonio Banderas in interview with the vampire, like, and then in like, uh, dusk until dawn, like I need someone that's like sexy, but older, but is also not physically imposing on their own because it's this idea of like the body that he's chosen, but then he can rail the shit out of you, like beating the shit out of you in a fight. That was the wrong <laughs> use of a phrase. Um, I was, um, the thing is you said that word and I was still thinking of Odette fair. Oh, <laughs> uh, Odette fair love of my life. He was just in something else and it made me so happy. to see. Also, him. he is the um, voice of Dr. Fate in the justice league cartoons. And he is, uh-huh. so, and like, he even has a line at one point that is almost a direct lift of a line that he says in the mummy where he's talking about Solomon Grundy. And he's, uh, mm-hmm. he's like, he, uh, he says, uh, calls, uh, Grundy, like a walking corpse. And I'm like, you could have said a walking disease and just like, yeah. it was like the line was right there. People. I really, for quite a few years, wanted him to play Doctor Strange, but I know the age was just not correct. Like, it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right... I would like to think that there is something great for him in the MCU, though. I would love, 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 because he's so good, and he's such a sensational actor. Honestly, um, I'm kind of mad that, like, I, I'm I'm here for Pierce Brosnan and, as Doctor Fate, but he would have been a great live-action Doctor Fate. He would have been a great Doctor Fate. Because he's... Yeah. He, like, uh, speaking Dr. of the right age, he's... He, yeah like he's right right that, that right age that yeah could have done, yeah. done it that dr fate helmet in black adam looks so good i'm so excited for that movie yes like absolutely shazam is so good i'm hoping that side of the mc or uh, dceu and the like harley birds of prey side of the dceu are the only things they keep and they kind of restructure everything else just because like you know this is you know it's it's just a thing and it's really a shame because there is a lot of good things to talk about with blade trinity but there's not nearly as much good things it is about the other films it's because also can we talk about out of nowhere because they're experiment they can they're like continuing experiments on animals now they decide to stop it like that's the only thing of where they tie blade two to blade trinity is there doing the experiments on the dog, like on animals to turn them into vampires. Like I get you wanted a sight gag, but that just seemed like one gross too. I mean, this is the time of the Chihuahua dog, like Chihuahua Taco Bell dog, but like a Pomeranian vampire Pomeranian was weird. It's funny though. (laughs) You can tell whoever wrote that fucking hates Pomeranians. Um, No, no, I think they also just hate dogs because they killed three dogs in one go. They did. Also, it's one of those, like with the exception, once the, like the team dies, Whistler's team dies. I'm so, I have almost no investment on any of them surviving this film. Yeah. Other than I just see more of Ryan Reynolds shirtless yeah also um, like Patton oswalt is there he's just fucking there love him i just anytime i loved they picked people that would probably be the people that would make up those teams it wouldn't be sleek sexy people it would be those kinds of people and their deaths were so fucking sad one thing i do love about this movie is the shape-shifting of drake i think it is an incredible one up because it's the one thing that blade can't do he can do everything blade can but blade can't shapeshift like that's fucking wild and he shapeshifts into like like he looks like the fucking devil he's got like well but makeshift horns into his face uh-huh. and the and like his like the ways his hands are designed are mm-hmm. insane where it's like his fingers are like bulky but bulky in a way that aren't 
like 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 in the design like the like the fingers aren't bulk or bulking away like they still they still function there's still functionality yeah. to them it's yeah, it's yeah. wild and uh, there's so much that they relied on for graphics in this movie that i wish they hadn't because they're not good Mm-mm. like it's you know it's it's always anytime you have a del toro movie that's then not a del toro movie and they just go away from those practical effects it's just a fucking shame mm-hmm. agreed yeah is there anything for you though other than like the humor and kind of the casting of the new characters we get that really just stands out for you for this film um i do i do love and it's very subtle uh the the showcasing that there still is the vampire world infiltrating uh aspects of human society that they have with the at the police station once blade is arrested at the beginning of the movie where like oh yeah you and like man you've got like eric you got fucking actors like eric bogosian as the talk show host Mm -hmm. you've got uh john higgins clark as the lawyer as like the da or and he's a psychiatrist but it turns out he's actually a familiar and then later like you have him playing drake and i'm like could we just have had him playing dracula the whole time because like that would have been that would have been amazing just to have just like this unassuming looking psychiatrist like no actually he's fucking dracula that would have been amazing uh those characters that was such and then we don't see them again after a certain point in the movie and that's a real shame because it's that third act of this film doesn't deliver because you no longer have your characters that you really fucking were great or your really talented actors are not in those roles yeah like uh the the police chief comes back and and then like in that same scene he died he he gets shot by blade when they show the yep. um the really fucked up and actually that's another thing i love is the really fucked up human farm they have in that giant warehouse oh, back yeah. to warehouses we gotta like it's a blade movie we gotta have a fucking warehouse but this time no it's actually genuinely terrifying this time it's like no the warehouse is not a nightclub it's a human farm for vampires oh my god which which honestly remember who is still mayor of new york city at this point it's rudy giuliani who famously cleaned up the streets of new york by making the homeless people disappear where i mean in actuality they know they just ship them out to other cities they literally put them on buses and sent them to other cities um and you know it was one of those things that knowing that now there are so many little like winks and nods that are so new york about this movie that was just sociopolitical being we're no longer we're disenchanted with Giuliani now, not the hero Giuliani post 9-11, which he was never the hero, and now he's just an absolute nightmare. Yeah, bird, uh, but... a stance a stance from not just this podcast, but from all podcasts. Hey Rudy Giuliani, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, my dude. I hope you get arrested with the rest of them. Um and I hope you get a shitting yeah, disease so while you're in prison so you shit yourself to death. Yes, 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 yes. It's and it's just a shame because they they did set up the end. Because we think Blade is dead. We think he's legitimately dead. Drake saw away at the end and realized what happened. And Blade isn't dead. You know, Drake was able to keep that glamour well into, I don't know. I do, I'm trying not to think about the plot of this movie. Because it makes the least amount. Because there's so much bullshit in this movie. That it's just like, you had the clearest plots in the other ones. And then this one, you modded it up. And I'm really thinking it's just he did not have someone there with him going, Hmm. I wonder if this is actually going to work. Yeah, uh, I, th- is, I think that's you know, a big part of it. And Ryan Reynolds narrating the ending. And now, uh, can we talk about the alternate ending for this movie? Yes, please. That's what. Yeah, that was the the last thing we needed to do before we wrap up. Just because, like, it's insane. And this is where it really points to like Wesley Snipes fucking everything up. Like, yeah. You know, I just... So for those who don't know, and actually, uh, I retweeted. I retweeted something about this on Twitter uh it was, it was not that long ago as of this as of this recording but the 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 original ending for this movie had uh Hannibal King and Abigail Whistler uh going to a casino and you know what shows up at the fucking casino a goddamn werewolf there was going to be a goddamn werewolf that they actually like had a full suit for they had an actor in a goddamn werewolf suit and they left that out 
They left out a goddamn werewolf. What the fuck is wrong with you? No, I'm serious. No, I'm serious. What the fuck is wrong with you? You don't leave out a well, goddamn oh, werewolf. You don't. But then also at the end of it, wasn't that like there was a post, a mid credit scene where it's Blade's eyes suddenly open? Like we don't see him riding off on the, the motorcycle. Like he actually died in the original version of the film. Yeah. And then there was like a, a mid credit scene where it's just them doing the autopsy and then it's looking down a blade and then his eyes just pop open and then that was it leaving the ability to do another film even though i think the studio saw the writing on the wall at this point but because this movie did not do good the second one did the best out of all three of them Mm -hmm. but like you know that is a crime and so when wesley snipes hated someone for some reason it didn't test well they replaced it but he hated that they were replacing it and then wouldn't film the other scene. So that final blade scene that we see of him, like riding off on a motorcycle, it's a CGI Wesley Snipes. Yeah. And you can tell it's a big old fake 2004 person. Yeah. It was not, yeah, not, not great. I mean, I definitely think people should still watch this movie because it's funny. It is action packed. It's a good goddamn time. Yeah. If you're sitting with friends, have a couple beers and watch this movie. It's definitely worth seeing. Also, just because Ryan Reynolds is a snack cake in this, and then go watch Amityville Horror after because that movie's bad, but he's a snack cake in that as well. Yeah, and Parker and Parker Posey daddy. fucking rules. And go watch Parker Posey and shit because like go she watch Parker Posey and everything. She should have been Lois Lane. She should have been Lois Lane. Oh, also, can we talk about her performance in Lost in Space? Have you watched the Netflix Lost in Space? No, but I've heard very good things about it. Uh, her is Dr. Smith. Incredible. And I think it was the only way to make that character not creepy and not a pedophile. Like, because it was that way in the 1998 movie that was terrible. And the original series, which I love, but is, you know, a very problem ridden now, being the 1960s space series but yeah i think people should definitely still go visit this one it's a harder sell for people like sexy ryan reynolds and just a good laugh fucking sexy fun time of laughter so good also Patton oswald wearing a fantastic four t-shirt it's everything yeah also i love i love that all three of these movies have had like connections to scream in a way like the first movie you've Mm -hmm. got the familiar uh, officer krieger who is played by kevin patrick wells and is uh, he is in the first Scream, played by he plays uh, Stephen Orth, who is Casey Becker's boyfriend, mm-hmm. who dies first. He gets fully gutted in the opening mm-hmm. scene. Uh, mm-hmm. Blade Two, scored by Michael Batrami, who scores the the all four of the original Wes Craven Scream movies. And then here you've got Parker Posey, who is in Scream Three, and she fucking rule. Also, Scream Three fucking rules. Everybody who says the Scream Three is bad, you can go fuck yourselves because you're wrong. I am making the stance. I'm actually genuinely angry with you, and I don't want and I don't want to be friends with you. I don't care what I don't care what else we have in common. Scream three is good, and you're fucking wrong. Angry JD came out a little bit. I still haven't seen (laughs) Scream three, but I will let you know what I think when I watch it. Parker Posey gets sad and jumps into Patrick Warburton's arms, and he carries her away. Who wouldn't? I mean, Patrick Warburton. I mean, he's. I mean, one of the original himbos. I mean, he's Crunk. Crunk is the. I. He is like he is ground zero for himbos. Uh, I'm sorry, Brendan Fraser's George of the Jungle, ground zero for himbo. He is OG himbo. Okay, I will say this as someone who has performed as George of the Jungle on stage. It is Crunk. I have this, I have this, as someone who has performed as George of the Jungle, I have this right to say. <laughs> I mean, Brendan, Brendan Fraser did make. Brendan Fraser, it, the thing whole, is, he has, he has a whole line of himbos. Yeah, I mean, Airhead, obvious himbo. Yeah. Yeah. Blast oh, from the Encino past. Man. Encino Man. Oh, Encino Man is like, actually, no, Encino Man, that is ground zero for himbo. Link, oh, yeah, Link is Link Jones, is yeah. ground zero for Himbo, so I will rescind that. I we we will compromise here. It isn't Cino Man, in fact. We'll compromise. It is yeah. it is Brandon Fraser. 
Well, okay, JD, as we are wrapping up, what are, what is just, what is your words of wisdom to convince people as, you know, we have a little lull in the MCU right now. We mm-hmm. don't have, well, we've got, we've got a little lull before Black Panther in November. And then there's a little lull before stuff. We do a She-Hulky right now, which God bless Megan the Stallion and Madison with two N's and one Y, but not where you think. Um, also, Tatiana Massey is, as is Jessica's just so good. Um, Jennifer, 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 Jennifer Walters, Jennifer, Jennifer Walters, not Jessica, um, not Jessica Jones, but Jessica Jones should be in the series, but we, the series isn't over yet. We and not, know. and no, just, um, and no Jessica Beale for somewhere. No Jessica Beale in sight. Go watch the first season of the center. Everyone. That's my thing. Go watch the first season of the center or Jessica Beale fucking oh, rules. Go watch candy. Oh, and She's candy so good and that. candy. Also, we're getting another series of, of that same story with Elizabeth Olsen. And I'm kind of here for it. I'll watch her in anything. She's apparently she and someone else are going to be in season two of house of dragons. I have not watched. They can do to get me to watch. It. I have not watched any of that. I, and I'm kind of making that a personality trait right now. I don't want to watch incesty people that we know have to be incesty. It's really gross to me. I don't want to watch yeah. it, but I get that. It's I love, I love, he's gross and problematic. I love Patty Considine, but like, I, I, I don't want to watch that. Oh, and I don't want, I do kind of want to watch Matt Smith just be sexy with silver hair and evil. I love that for him. I do love Matt Smith. I just love that for him. I love Matt Smith. We are gonna okay, talk about that. So what is your words of wisdom to get people to sit down and rewatch or watch for the first time the Blade trilogy. Look, we're going into October. It's it, like we are we are fully we are fully immersed in spooky season. We're getting we're getting close we're getting close to that line. I mean, it is the perfect time to get into these movies. Also, we are guaranteed a Blade movie, I believe, next year. Twenty twenty four, yeah. Or, so so about two years. So in, 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 yeah, yeah, about a year and a half. He's gonna show up in other things before. Then there's no way for he sure, won't. for sure. So like, this is a great time. It's a great time to like re- to like to see Wesley Snipes like like this was like right at the end of his peak after doing like White Men Can't Jump and New Jack City and Demolition Man and Jungle Fever like he and the art Two Wung Fu Thanks for Everything Julie Newman Absolutely I was getting to that one and also Passenger 57 and US Marshals and The Art of War a lot of movies that like a lot of movies that like people forgot about but movies that I liked cuz like I was a massive Wesley Snipes fan um so like it is like just I feel like it's like just like we're in the perfect season to revisit these and also mm-hmm. to see kind of a time capsule to show like where Marvel comics movies were at the, like were at different times with like blade being the beginnings of it. Blade two being like, like the, the uh, kind of the middle, the midpoint with coming out the same year as Spider-Man blade Trinity, just, you know, coming out as like, in this like weird period it was like right around ghost rider and and the mm-hmm. and the thomas jane punisher movie so it, and we so we were still a few years away from from iron man and and and, and the beginnings of of the mcu so it's really nice to kind of like visit these as as a time capsule but also they're all fun in their own way like blade is a fun mm-hmm. is is like a cool like a cool nineties action movie that like thinks it's cool and actually is cool. Blade two is this mm-hmm. like, a- is this insane action packed monster movie that is also a goddamn great horror movie. Uh, and has a lot of heart behind it. And then Plague Trinity is like, it's this absolute utter mess that is also as like, like has fucking Ryan Reynolds and Parker Posey just going for it. And ripping hemming it up. yeah hemming it up and ripping apart every scene they are in and stitching it back together because that's how good they are as performers so yeah like that's they're the epitome of chewing the scenery yes that's why i was it was like it's like they don't just chew the scenery they they rip it apart and then sew it back together like that's what they especially especially parker posey parker posey we fucking love you we do love you. I've got to know someone who knows someone who knows her. I 
I love her so much. I'm just, she is that kind of incredible career where she just keeps showing up and I get so fucking happy every time she shows up. She's perfect. Love her. So JD, where can everyone find you on the internet space? Well, uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, JD, JD underscore Martin underscore, because there are a lot of JD Martins out there apparently. Uh, but I'm the most important one. So follow that one. Uh, you are. I'm on Instagram. I, I always forget what it, what it actually is. Uh, but yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram too, occasionally. Uh, I've got Comics Quest and Fables and Reflections. You can follow us at Comics Quest Show and at F and R pod, spell the word and out. Um, and then Screaming in Woodsboro is coming out. We don't have uh, we don't have any social media out for that just yet, but we're working, but we're getting to that. Uh, and eventually not sure when it will be out but i i've there's a tabletop rpg podcast that i'm working on that's all i'm gonna as a player and that's all i'm gonna say about that uh but that eventually will will be in the world at some point so i've got all that going and you can interact with JD, myself, and all of the amazing people at Certain POV on our Discord, which you can find at certainpov.com. JD, thank you, my love, as always, for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me again. Have you ever seen something in a theater that you just couldn't explain? Or have you ever thought about if dying really ain't that bad? And do you spend sleepless nights wondering exactly what happened to Natalie Wood that night on the boat? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then it's time for you to exit stage death. Exit Stage Death is the chilling true stories behind your favorite Broadway shows, releasing bi-weekly on Tuesday starting May 24th. So if you want to find out which Broadway house is the most haunted, talk about what killed our favorite Broadway flops, and learn about the murderous path of Mama Rose that took Gypsy Rose Lee to stardom. It's time for Places, actors. Thank, Thank you, Places. It's time to exit stage death. Don't worry, listeners. No need to adjust your dial. This is Landline Radio. Welcome to the end of the dial at the end of the world. I'm the host, and we bring you stories too chilling and strange to be true, right from the heart of towns where the lines between this world and the next connect. Stories from people just like you, for those long, dark, lonely nights driving down roads that never seem to end. We'll be here. And don't worry if you can't find us. We'll find you. Leyline Radio is from Dreamer Productions and can be found monthly exclusively starting in October on their Patreon feed. Follow the link in the show notes below to hear and enjoy. Saturday Morning Confidential is brought to you by Dreamer Productions and is a proud member of the Certain POV Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential, on Instagram at SMC Pod, and on Twitter at The SMC Podcast. You can find all the shows that Certain POV has to offer at CertainPOV.com or also on Patreon at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of only $2 a month keeps constant programming coming in and supporting our new shows as we go throughout 2022. Now join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.